welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee this week. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I am joined, as always, by the slayer of the Savage Sumatra, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, before we go any further, where were you on August 8th? (laughs) So, one little truck. (laughs) <laughs> with my favorite cigar and my wife's favorite cigar gets stolen. All of a sudden, I'm the number one. Uh, number one. Um, that was all I could think about when I saw that. So, uh, so Drew Estate had a truck of it was Bellicoso uh, Sun Grown. Shade, uh, no, wait. Yes, Underground shade, shade Bellicosos, and the Tobacco Special. The Dolce's, too. Not the dark ones, the light ones. The ones my wife really loves. <laughs> Gone missing. Why, the, the first thing I thought when I saw that, though, was, why so soon? <laughs> why did they wait over a month to release the information? You know, it makes me wonder. Well, first, let's light our cigars. Oh, let's do and that. Th- and then I want to circle back to this. But, yes, I do have an <laughs> alibi for that night. Good. What are you smoking tonight? So, we talked about it last week on the show, and I figured I would fire one up tonight. It is The Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Oh, fantastic. Now, this is a collaboration between H. Upman and A.J. Fernandez. It is a Nicaraguan um, binder, fillers Nicaraguan Dominican, and the wrapper is Ecuadorian Sumatra. So, I am slaying a savage Sumatra tonight. (laughs) And although, hey, how good would we be if we rehearsed? I know. (laughs) Unbelievable. But great cigar. I've had a couple of them. Um, They're a little milder than what I'm used to, Mm -hmm. but still a lot of flavor. And I don't know, my palate must be switching a little. I think as I'm losing weight and as I'm eating less sugar, as I eat less carbs, as I really dedicate myself to my diet, it's amazing how that seems to change my palate for cigars. Well, I noticed that when I gave up drinking a few months ago is that now that I'm, I'm losing all of that, it, beer was my drink of choice, so there was a lot of bitter flavors in my life that was overpowering, in, in, including what I was eating, but also, you know, but also what I was smoking. I've noticed that my palate has changed since that time, too. So it, it's entirely possible that, that the change in diet for you has, is doing the same thing. That's interesting. I I would have never thought, because usually I kept going darker and darker and darker and more complex, but I didn't know that my palate would ever reverse gear. Mm -hmm. So what are you smoking tonight? So again, speaking of how good we would be if we actually rehearsed, we talked about this cigar on the show last week, and so I realized that I hadn't actually smoked it on an episode before. It's the Los Moreas, 90 rated per our game last week. Uh, by Cigar Aficionado, made by Crown Heads in the My Father Factory. Uh, the one that I am smoking tonight is a 6x54, which is just perfect size for me. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's a My Father blended Crown Heads, so I'm in love before I even light it up. I've probably had about a box of those over the course since they've been released that I've smoked. It's It's one of their milder uh, I mean, when you hear My Father Factory, you're thinking spice, you're thinking pepper, you're thinking sort of bold flavors. This one's more on the medium full, medium plus side, as opposed to, say, the Yellow Rose of Texas or the Tennessee Waltz, which I would say is definitely a full-bodied cigar. Um, Los Calaveras, definitely a full-bodied cigar. So this one kind of goes down into that medium full range, but it's just a really good all-around cigar. You know, when they had the event here, I ended up getting a few of those. And 
it's like most things for crown heads for me. It's been good, not great. Uh-huh. But I can understand how a palate, how it could really make your palate. Um, if you're used to the heavier duty cigars, something lighter like that, a lot of times does feel refreshing. And I would say to our listeners out there, really think about that. Don't always go for the heavy cigar. Well, there's always, I mean, it's just like some days you want devil's food chocolate, other days you want ice cream for dessert. You know, cigars are the same way. Sometimes you're in a mood for something. It, it's important not to just go for what you've got. It, it, I, I, For me, the excitement of trying something new and stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit is a lot of the enjoyment that I have with cigars in general. And that is, and it's good not to pigeonhole yourself. I was sitting in here one time with a guy that said, oh, by the time you've smoked for a year, you you won't be able to enjoy those. Trey is counting down because we had a heated debate. (laughs) He set my crotch on fire in the process. He was trying to light his cigar in under 10 seconds and ended up dropping it to the floor. (laughs) Cigar shop burns down over local podcast challenge. Well, I thought I had a third hand. I was counting with one, holding the lighter with the other, and then, yeah, well... But, so back to this half-wheel story about the truck full of Drew Estate cigars stolen. Um, first, yeah, two of my favorite blends. My wife's number one go-to cigar and my go-to cigar, the Undercrown Shade and the Tabac Dolce. Stolen. Now, is there more... I always thought hijacking ended in the 1920s, 30s maybe. Is there more of that going on and just nobody tells us? There has to be. I mean, look, the the Fast and Furious franchise is on eight movies now, all about carjacking and hijacking, or at least that's how the movie started. I haven't seen one in 10 years, but, you know, so maybe maybe it is still prevalent. On the list of guys who I'm not going to smoke a cigar with, somebody that actually plopped down their money at the theater to see those movies. <laughs> it's good to know I can still host a show with you. <laughs> yes, you're, you barely make the cut. But, you know, the Fuente... Wow. <laughs> Gloves are coming off tonight. (laughs) Well, what this translates into is now Shane's going to have to pay more for his favorite cigar. (laughs) He's really what, and and arbitrarily, he's going to have to pay more for his wife's favorite cigar. So we're going to have to work on this with Drew Estate. One of the things that I do like um, is they know because it came out of a container, they know the SKUs that were involved. And they, they're actually asking for retailers who are be, getting discounted prices and things like that. If, if someone tries to move them into the retail market, um, they've given a number uh, so that they can ho- hopefully track these guys down. Yeah, and that would be good. That, um, you know, the Fuente, they found the container, the, uh, the Fuente cigars that were stolen, they found the container that had been hijacked and most of the cigars had already been taken out of it. So that, that definitely makes it so... Stepping away from cigars for a second, I have to put a call out to our audience for some help here. Is there anybody out there, if there is, please um, email me at info at thecigarcast.com, that is a soldier of fortune type, perhaps has a crack commando team? Preferably with a scar over one eye. Well, scar's optional. Okay. But I need somebody that in the event of my untimely death will break into my house reach into my safe and save Matilda. Because my wife has already promised she's going to put Matilda in a wood chipper if I die. (laughs) 
So how did this come about? Okay, well, first, I guess I should tell, say who Matilda is so that they don't have my wife arrested prematurely. <laughs> Though I'm open to the opportunity of having her arrested if it'll save Matilda. Matilda is my prized deer rifle. Okay. Matilda, and your first love, right? My first love. I, every opening morning, we watch the sunrise together. And I, and I may ag it on a little. My wife hates this gun with a passion. I may ag it on a little. Last year when I was cleaning Matilda for preseason, I did light some candles, turn down the lights, play a little Barry White. So I may ag this on just a little, but she has promised that in the event of my passing that she's throwing Matilda through a wood chipper. So I need, I need a commando team to be activated upon my death. I'm willing to go up to... A box of shades. Okay. Just don't ask just anybody so about. Just so happen to know where I got. <laughs> I just so happen to have a box of shades. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you had Matilda? I bought Matilda when I was 15 years old, and I am now 42 years old. Oh wow! So it's been a, a long, long relationship. Well, and they don't make this gun anymore. They didn't make a lot of them when they first started making them. Hoa took them over and actually shifted production to Japan. But this is one of the American-made Smith and Wessons, and um, I can count the number of deer Matilda has ever missed on one hand, and still have plenty of fingers left. Wow. When a deer walks up and Matilda's in my hand, it's just our choice. She and I decide whether or not we're taking the deer. Do I need to give you a moment alone? <laughs> You're getting a little glassy-eyed over there. I, I love that gun. That's just one of those things in life. There's a couple of things in life, and this comes now we bring it back to cigars. There's a couple of things in life that when I touch them bring me joy. And all three things. My wife, Matilda... And I have a um, knife that I bought from a third-generation master knife smith in Alaska. And all it has a fossilized wheel jawbone handle, a high-carbon blade, and all it ever does is skin deer. That's the only thing this knife ever cuts. Oh, wow. And those are three things in my life that when I touch them, they just bring me a an, an joy. Don't matter how bad my day is. When I go to pick up that knife and put it on my hip and I throw Matilda over my shoulder, it's just, I mean, the guys at the grocery store look at me funny, but it just makes me happy <laughs> to know I have these things available to me. But do you have any cigar accessories that feel that way to you? A little bit. So I, this the lighter that I carry was and kind of is a bit of a security blanket for me. I absolutely love this lighter. It's the Calibre Julius. I got it two years ago, right after it came out. Um, it was a gift that I bought myself. So this was after I'd left Calibri, so I had to start buying lighters again. Uh, at retail, no less. At retail. <laughs> uh, and this lighter retails for 125 so it was not cheap, but it was a gift to myself after my first triathlon. And it's... it. Up until recently, it went in my front right pants pocket every morning when I got dressed, just as my wallet goes in. It, I mean, it was part of my wardrobe, so to speak, and it became a bit of a security blanket. I love this lighter, and I don't know really where the attachment came from, but it's, you know, I've, I've lost it for a little bit of time from here, you know, here and there. You, you move or you, you know use jackets in the winter and stuff, it ends up getting misplaced, but it always comes back to me. And your lighter doesn't have a name? 
my lighter does not have a name. So we we differ in that regard. Uh, you're you're a big fan of names and naming things, giving things power by giving them a name. I've never been that that person. I've I was actually having a conversation with someone this weekend about naming cars. You know, I'm a big car nut, always have been, but I've only ever named one of my cars. And it's not something that I really... And, and what's, what's really funny is that I was a junior in high school, and it was my first car, and it was a Mini Cooper. And so I named it Eleanor. Not realize, because And I hadn't even seen Gone in 60 Seconds yet. And so, of course, as soon as I name and I find out about that, now I'm re- I regret the name instantly because it had nothing. It would, had everything to do with the fact that it was a British car and I wanted a British name. And I was a huge Beatles fan at the time, so she was named after Eleanor Rigby. See, I immediately go to the Edgar Allan Poe, the Raven. No, <laughs> but it was, you know. So that was, but my name, you know, they you'll hear parents or soon to be parents talk about the best thing about having a kid is or before the kid's born trying to find a name, you realize how many people you hate. Because, no, I can't. We can't name her Tabitha because that bitch in high school, blah, blah. You know, so that was kind of me for naming my first car. I named it and then immediately found this this attachment to that name outside of what I was thinking that completely ruined it for me, and I've never named anything since. See, I've, I have a, a whole process, actually, for naming guns. My guns only get named after they kill their first animal. And all uh, my um, perfect example, my I have a Marlin 3030, which is the most dependable deer rifle, lever action. The Marlin 3030 is legendary. If you've hunted in Tennessee, you've probably hunted with someone with a Marlin 3030 because in Tennessee there's so many hills when you're hunting, you have to have a slow moving bullet. And if you were hunting up north or if you were hunting out on the plains, you'd have a 308, you'd have a 270, you would have something of a different caliber. But this is what's referred to as a brush gun. Well, the first thing I ever killed with it was a coyote, so the gun's name is Wiley. <laughs> Wiley Coyote. Yeah. My, you know, my 308 that's a lever action Browning BLR. The first thing I ever killed with it was a double killed two deer at the same time. Its name's Deuce. All right. So I've, I don't know what it is, but I've always been that way. I've always named things. And I think, I think it's just because I do get attached to certain things. And, but now I never sell a gun that I've named, but I sell a lot of guns. I switch out guns all the time, but never one that I named. Hmm. Now, do you have any names for any of your cigar-related accessories? or? I don't in so much as I'm so prone to lose them and the hobby is so new that it's hard you know and you say new I I guess five years five seven years I've been smoking cigars but I've not attached myself but now I have to go on a quest to find that accessory worthy of the name well even your kit I mean regardless of what's in your kit at any given time that that canvas bag that you carry with you everywhere you go is as much a part of you and as the cigar you're smoking it is interesting, the relationship that we develop of inanimate objects. It really is. So, coming back to cigar news, I do want to talk a little bit, a little legislative update. Okay. So, the, um, the omnibus bill passed, which is basically part of the budgeting bill. And the cigar companies, the representatives, our representatives actually doing their job, managed to slide in their wording 
keeping the FDA from getting certain funding unless they omit premium cigars from their new regulations. That's huge. Well, kind of. Okay. It's a step in the right direction. So, Half Wheel read this art- wrote this article, Eight Things What the Omnibus Bill Means for Us. And I'm just going to hit the high points. So, basically, it's a big step, but no deadlines were pushed back. Nothing really changed. So, basically, let me see how to phrase this properly. The language would prevent the U.S. Food and Drug Administration from receiving any funding for the physical year of 2018 if it regulated premium cigars, effectively meaning it would exempt cigars from the FDA regulations. So, but then what about any fines or fees levied against... So it says they won't get any funding, but that I'm assuming that means outside funding through the budget, but if they levy their own penalties and you know uh, surcharges and things like that they would i'm assuming get to keep that yeah but so I they don't, can determine which is more advantageous to them and i don't think see here's the problem you're thinking like a government like a businessman instead of like a politician oh yeah i i, I don't have the uh, i've got too many brain cells to think like a p- politician you have to think like the fda what they're not going to give us money regardless of how much money Regardless of saying, okay, so we're going to go ahead and do the premium cigar thing, and we're going to, but... Because it was a money grab all along. So right. all they're interested in is how much they can get for the least amount of work. But the, I will guarantee you, the Cigar Rights of America, the lawsuit, praise they do that. Right. Because if they do that, then Cigar Rights of America has perfect platforms. See, the government has said that what they're trying to do is unconstitutional. Right. In as much as they withheld from their budget because they decided to do it. Right. So so what's next is the Senate and the House have to work to find an agreement about what should be included in this omnibus. And unfortunately, this is part of an omnibus, which means it has many other funding issues attached to it. Which means that this may get overlooked. Could could slide in under the radar, but I doubt when you're talking about this kind of money, it does. Now, Scott Gottlieb being the commissioner of the FDA, that helps us a lot because he is a cigar guy. That helps us out tremendously. The problem is we're really not going to know anything till after December 8th because they usually, the first part of December, there's a lot of late-night sessions in the House and the Senate because they're trying to get these bills passed. Right. They never do anything ahead of time. No, that would be uh, make too much sense. So the other thing is this is actually only a short-term deal because it only approaches the physical year of 2018. Right. But it's a step in the right direction. It's another pushback, if nothing else. Now, pipe tobacco, tobacco is not included in this language, but I don't think pipe tobacco was included in the original FDA document. I don't believe was it was. And. So if it does pass, they'll be, they won't be able to regulate any cigars through October 1st, 2018. And there's a lot of warning labeling stuff coming out, but... Fine. Well, make the entire cigar box a big skull and crossbones. You'll probably sell more of them. Yeah, it's not going to impact me one way or another. Warning We're, labels, everyone knows that tobacco is whatever tobacco is. You know, the warning labels don't matter anymore. We all, have the, we all have the information. We all have the knowledge. And we make a conscious adult decision to participate in this hobby that we enjoy. 
and we do it having all the information. So throwing a warning label in, in, in front of me that says, you know, it's not a safe alternative to cigarettes, regardless of the truth in that statement, is not going to scare me from enjoying a cigar. Right. They're not, and, you know, they're always going to do this in the name of the children. Okay, we're counting down again. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. He got it lit in under five seconds. <laughs> but that was a relight. That was a relight. We're going to do a timed, night, timed event one night. So let's talk about, let's talk about where that comes from. Talk okay. about your Prometheus. So I have three Prometheus tabletop lighters. And I used them for years and really enjoyed them. Um, but they all three went out on me. There's a little wire in the igniter, igniter that went out on me. And it's funny because I think the reason they lasted so long on the front end is because I used to smoke smaller ring gauge cigars. And as I've moved to bigger ring gauge, I sent them back to Prometheus. They fixed them for a fee and sent them back to me with a notice. Please do not keep them ignited over 10 seconds. And see, I don't have a problem with that. I think 10 seconds is a much longer time than you think it is. I think it's perfectly feasible to get a cigar lit in 10 seconds. See, I like to, I like to warm the foot. That's going to be five seconds or better because I'm going to rotate it as I warm the foot. Now, this is a podcast, so you can't see me doing this in my hands, but I'm going to be rotating it and warming the foot. I'm going to hold the cigar at a 45-degree angle above. I'm going to inhale. I'm going to roll. I'm going to inhale. I'm going to roll. I'm going to inhale. I'm going to roll. Then I'm going to take it loose and blow on it to see if I got the proper light. But you're not holding the, the lighter ignited through that whole process. Still, if your product can't sustain 10 seconds of fire it creates, there's something wrong. This is not a flamethrower. We're not taking down, we're not shooting napalm. Where this is a butane lighter, it should be sturdy enough to hold up to 10 seconds of its own flame. But that's like saying that... It's like being against, you know, uh, light bulbs for not being able to last from the heat generated from their own filament. Because that's essentially what it is. It's a, it's a wire filament with an electrical charge, and they wear out, just like light bulbs burn out, or the old incandescent that are illegal now. But. Well, and I will say in Prometheus's defense, to be fair, Austin did just get a shipment in, and they do have the 10-second warning on them. The ones I purchased when I purchased them about a year and a half ago had no warnings. There was no 10-second warnings on these lighters. So that's something they've recently put in. But come on, Prometheus, pony up the extra few bucks, put a little stiffer wire in there, let me keep it lit for 20 seconds. Or is it possible that it didn't have the warning label on it when you bought them because they were using a bigger wire at the time, and it's just this new one that they replaced it with that comes with that warning? That's entirely possible Because you've well. had those lighters for years. You've had, lit thousands of cigars with that, those lighters. I have. I have used them rigorously. But when I pay, my expectation goes up dramatically when I pay over $100 for a lighter. You know, if I buy a 20-buck lighter and it dies in two weeks, uh, I'm going to be disappointed, but I'm not going to raise cane. You just need to buy a soft flame like I do because they don't have that wire, that piezo system to wear out. Once I give a C-note for a lighter, I demand more of my lighter at that point. And I think that's fair. So we're going to step away for a minute and take a break. When we get back, got a couple of other things I want to talk about. want to talk about the benefits of promoting a cigar if you own a shop. Okay. Should a shop owner be able to promote a particular cigar? Be able to or choose to? Um, we'll cover both angles on that. 
And, uh, and then we're also going to talk about, I have a challenge for our listeners because we got a special show next week, and I want to talk to our listeners about that and get a little help from them on that. We also have a new contest coming up that I also want to talk to our listeners, listeners about. All right. Well, we'll be right back with more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane Reeves. Now that Trey has picked up his cigar, he has rejoined the podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. How is the Las Moreas treating you? A lot more buttery than I remember. I mean, it's very smooth. It's a it's a Cuban style. Um, so e- even though it is a Nicaraguan puro, there's I forgot that. It, de- it definitely doesn't lack on flavor and complexity. It still brings a lot of enjoyment to the party, but there's not a lot of spicy notes or pepper or anything like that. It's it's very, very earthy, very sort of buttery, um, but not in a light way, not in a mild sort of Butera or Ashton White Label uh, way, but just in a just in a smooth way. So I have a question. I've never understood this. So. Like, the Java is made by Drew Estate for Rocky Patel. How does that benefit Drew Estates? Because they're being paid by Rocky. Yeah, but, well, I guess I guess it's like in the building business, it's the difference in a pre-sale and a spec home. Right. And, and it's also, you get the, you know, you get publicity for the collaboration, you know, so you get to put your name on, on more cigars. So you get more of a presence in the humidor? Well, so the crowned heads are rolled in the... My Father Factory. My Father Factory. How does that benefit my father? You'd have to talk to John Huber about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to have to one day get somebody on that can explain how that synergy works, because I'm sure it works. Well, we've been in talks with Sean Hardiman, uh, who's the local area rep for General Cigar, to join the show with us. And I know that a few of the cigars in his line do that sort of thing. And so maybe that's something that he can talk to us about when we get him on. So I also want to talk about people that label... People who need people. (laughs) People that label the flavors of cigars. How many different adjectives have we had that describe the flavor of cigars? I know there's oaky, there's earthy. Leather, spice, pepper, nuts, oak. Okay, I don't usually detect a lot of those notes. I usually detect a sharpness, or I will detect pepper, because pepper is very distinct. But if I gave you one cigar that supposedly tasted oaky and one that tasted leathery, could you tell the difference? In a lot of cases, I can. Uh, but you've mentioned before that you're not a retrohaler. So I get most of my... When I'm just sitting enjoying a cigar, I'm not necessarily tasting it. But if I'm actually in a cigar to taste it and to really sort of kind of understand that flavor profile, uh, I'll retrohale. And you get a lot more... You get a lot more information from the cigar when you do that. 
Ah, so I may be missing out on half of my cigar experience due to the fact that I don't ever retrohale. It's entirely possible. Uh, that may just be me. I don't know. Uh, but speaking of you know, the pepper, I know AJ Fernandez is kind of known for that pepper that hits your lips the second you put your mouth around it. Are you getting that out of that H. Upman? Not out of the Upman. I get it out of the Romeo. I get it out of the Romeo Julieta. I get it out of the Monte Cristo. But they left it out of the partic- this particular Upman. How do you feel about that? Do you miss it? No, because I'm not a big pepper guy. Okay. Pepper is not necessarily one of the things that draws me to a cigar. It will enhance my cigar experience in certain occasions. But if I'm going to have pepper, I want it right at the beginning. I don't want to catch it as I get to the foot. I don't want to catch it in the middle. Yeah. I want it right at the beginning. But the reason I ask... Excuse me for a moment. Well, one of the things, you know, you mentioned the different leathers, the different flavors. There are some cigars that I pick it up more on than others. The the Gurkha Cellar Reserve 15-year, the one in the deep brown box with the sort of off-white label, right. ha, it is straight pepper, or straight leather, I mean. Like, you, it just tastes like licking a couch, but in a good way. Uh, you know... <laughs> If you can believe that, but I, I I taste the I taste the leather in that cigar, and it and it's really prominent for me. It's not there in every cigar, but that's one that I think of. And then the La Flor Dominicana, 1964, I think it was called. I don't even know if they're still making it. That was all clove all day long. So I think it I think it depends on the cigar and which flavors are are real forward and prominent in the blend. So, from a young age, I've been cautious of people telling me flavors. And the reason is Jolly Ranchers. Watermelon Jolly Ranchers taste nothing like watermelon. Well, that's because they have flavor at all. I hate watermelon. Well, by and large, watermelon flavor. I honestly believe they said, hey, we have this flavor. What do you want to call it? Let's call it watermelon. It tastes nothing like watermelons. Ah, they'll never know. But see, I actually like watermelon flavor, but I hate watermelons. But it don't really taste like watermelon. We, that's my point. Uh, they, they've got someone who will eat their Jolly Ranchers now. Uh, this Grape flavor does the same thing for me. What, have, you ever, have you ever tasted anything that was grape flavored and, and thought, oh, man, it tastes like the vine? No, I've pulled grapes off the vine. I've raised grapes to make wine. From a pup? (laughs) From a pup. And never have I eaten a grape or a wild blackberry. I just think this is the dirty secret of the candy industry. I think they just got a whole list of fruits and said, let's make flavors and call them this. Because like strawberry. Strawberry flavor tastes nothing like strawberry. No, but strawberry flavor just tastes like sugar. Right. So I think, and I think there's some of that goes on in the cigar industry. I think they subliminally place this to us. I'm, well, I'm sure it's the same thing in the wine community. You know, the floral notes and the, the, the no, you do. It ha, I would venture to say, you know, lies, damn lies, and statistics. So this is the statistic part. I'd venture to say probably seventy percent of those tasting notes, at least on the wine side of things, are made up. I would say you're right. I would say, and you know, oh, we have to open the wine and let the tannins breathe and things Unless like that. Unless you're a master sommelier. You know, it, it, I just don't believe it. With cigars, I think they're so much bolder that you that your average enjoy, uh, your average, what word was that going to be? Uh, your average Joe just in it for the enjoyment, I think, will be able to... Uh, 
would be able to notice those a bit more. Probably, and probably also just the fact that the cigar involves combustion, that you're actually burning the leaf, and that's going to release a lot of the flavors. Right. Well, yeah, well, everyone knows that your sense of flavor is tied directly to arson, so. Oh, of course. <laughs> the strong, strongest sense of all. But, but real quick, I do want to hit our cigar under $8 because it kind of ties into what we've been thinking about here. Okay. I know this is a little earlier in the show than we generally do this. And, but um, I'm smoking the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Our cigar under $8 is actually going to be the Romeo and Juliet by A.J. Fernandez. I've had a couple of these. I bought them up. I smoked them up at Casa de Monte Cristo. Um, great flavored cigar. I really have enjoyed these cigars. Now, they do have that blast of pepper as you get started with them. And it does have more earthiness, which the Romeo tends to do anyway. Right. It tends to be a little bit more spice-forward than most of the the other brands in that line, or well, lines in that brand. And the binder, the filler, is Nicaraguan both. The wrapper is a Habana Maduro. And they're running, you know, seven fifty to $9 each, so they're kind of expanding that definition of cigar under eight. But you can still get a decent 5 by 52 for 7.5. So, good cigar, fun to try, not going to blow your flavor profile away, but especially as it's fall and we're kind of dealing with a time when we're going to be eating more. Mm-hmm. I tend to eat more in the fall. I think it's just Thanksgiving, and it's just it's that time of year. It's harvest right. time. Yeah. So as you're moving into that and moving into those, give this one a shot. That Romeo and Juliet by A.J. Fernandez. Just a a good cigar, good all-around smoke. And just to piggyback on that a little bit, since we are talking to A.J. Fernandez, if you haven't tried it and you want something that's really just going to show you what pepper and spice taste like in a cigar, grab the New World by A.J. Fernandez. We've highlighted that as a cigar under eight before. But as soon as you, before you even light it, you've touched the thing to your lips and you can taste the spice and the pepper in that cigar. Well, and that's part of what A.J. Fernandez is known for is And that. part of the reason I like his cigar so much. Yeah, that boulder and, you know, everything that comes out of the My Father's Factory. You've made me a fan of the My Father Factory. Right. Um, I always steered clear of them. So, a couple of things other I want to cover. So, I have accumulated several ashtrays in my travels. I've accumulated a nice Oliva ash tray that I actually want to give away. We'll put a picture of it on Facebook, and what I want is our listeners to comment on that picture and suggest a show theme. If we use your theme, I'll send you the ash tray. Sounds easy enough. Easy peasy. Give us a good theme. Next week, we've got a great theme. We've got a friend of mine coming in who's just started cigars. And we're going to have a Ask the professional segment of the Cigar Cast next week. Who are we going to get on to be the professionals? Well, uh, okay. <laughs> we're going until we make it. That's right. All right. Don't, don't never let them see you sweat. All right. But he's going to come on and all, because he's, he's interesting, because he's been asking me a lot of questions. So what's the difference in these cuts? What's the difference? Now, why is this cigar lighter but stronger? And why does this cigar do this? So I said, this would be a great opportunity to get him on there. In conjunction with that, I'll put a post on Facebook next week about midweek. If you are out there and you have some questions that you would like answered, please post them on there. If i got a couple of days to review them, that'll be even better because I can get you a real professional answer. (laughs) And that'll give us the opportunity because, you know, we've both been smoking long enough that we can try and remember the questions we had at that point, but... 
really, I, I, it'll be interesting for me to get the perspective of someone because it has been over a decade since I started smoking cigars of someone who's still stu- still in that phase of development in their palate and in their taste uh, to really find out you know what the questions are. And he's probably going to ask some questions I don't have an answer for because he's been a cigarette smoker for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've never smoked cigarettes. I've never had any desire to be a cigarette smoker. Um, cigars appeal to me because it's a, gentleman's, it's a gentleman's pursuit, like we always say. It's something we can sit and enjoy. But he smoked cigarettes for so long. It'll be interesting to see what his questions turn to in that direction. That'll be very interesting. I'm looking forward to that be a good show but please give us some suggestions give us some feedback we've received a lot of really nice messages from our listeners out there and thank you so much um if you knew how much it made my day when somebody comments something really nice on either our instagram post or our facebook post it just it puts a spring in my step i i love hearing from the listeners to know that it's not i mean i would do this if no one listened to it but i just because i enjoy it that much but to know that we're actually providing enjoyment for people. Uh, it, it really, really makes my day when I hear those comments. So, I, so to all of you that have reached out or commented or, or sent us emails or messages, we really do appreciate it, and we read every one of them. Well, and I do like to expand out that we are going to be expanding a little more of our gentlemanly section. You know, we, last week we discussed the gentleman's hat, and after the show, I wish we had had mics on because we really discussed the gentleman's beard. We really did. We went down a rabbit hole on beards. We uh, got we got deep with beard. It was really <laughs> interesting with beard and shaving, and we'll feature that on a future show because it'd be a lot of fun. We'll get one, some of our great beards around here on the show. Well, and we have two very different perspectives. Oh, extremely. So... Here's my question. When we speak of living the dream of running your own cigar shop, does it benefit the owner of a shop to promote a certain cigar? I think the I think I have to answer that question with another question, which is what is the goal with pushing a particular cigar? Are you trying to clear it out? Are you trying to generate interest on a new cigar? Is it something that you're just in love with that you want everybody else to experience? I think I think those questions kind of temper the overall answer to what you're asking. Well, okay. So it's well known that I am a Don Pedro Gonzalez fan and that you don't find his cigars in a lot of shops. He is a boutique brand. And when I proposed about bringing them to a certain shop, the owner said, yeah, but uh, it's not real well known. But if you made it well known, because I know every one of his cigars, you're never going to give one to a customer and it's not going to have a perfect draw. They're all going to have the flavor in line. His quality control department is second to none. Mm -hmm. And I believe it is worth investing. Plus, he does bundle deals without boxes so that you can even offer less expensive cigars to your general clientele for their daily smoke. Um, In Madison, he provides all the bundles for Donald down there to sell. And Donald sells tons of bundles of cigars, and the guys down there, that becomes their daily smoke. But I think it also depends on whether or not you're a volume shop. You know, for something like that, if your focus is on volume, then it does behoove you to bring in some stuff that you can that you can put a little bit lower price point on, that you can get a lot of flavor for the money, you can get good quality construction without breaking the bank. 
But if that's not what your shop is about, if that's not the kind of customer you have, then I don't think you're ever going to find success in that arena. I think it's about knowing your customer as much as it is knowing your humidor. Well, I think good customers are built. Um, When a customer comes to my office for house plans, my number one goal is to make the transition from being a salesman to being a trusted advisor. That's always going to be my number one goal when that customer during that first meeting. The second is going to be to talk to them about what makes sense as opposed to what they may have seen on Pinterest, Howl's, HGTV. Mm -hmm. And I think a cigar um, store can do that. I think through doing that, because if, okay, if Austin said, okay, for two months I'm going to pitch Don Gonzalez. For two months when somebody comes in the humidor and says, hey, I've not smoked before, what should I do? We're going to put them on a Don Pedro. Or when somebody says, hey, I've got a wedding I'm going to and I need a box of cigars, we're going to put them on a Don Pedro. And then, okay, now this month we're going to pitch the A.J. Fernandez, or this month we're going to pitch the Gurkha Shaggy, or all of these different things. I think that can overall bring forth a better educated clientele. Now, am I delusional? Uh, I I think you've got rose-colored glasses just a little bit. I think that because that does require a customer who's willing to listen. And as someone who has managed people for a long time, I can tell you there are some people that just don't want to learn. There's some people that don't want to listen. And especially when it comes to someone you can really cultivate like that, it's going to have to be someone who's a regular customer. And so there's maybe a little chicken in the egg there, I think. Some people have a natural curiosity and a natural willingness and eagerness to learn, and other people just don't have that. Well, I think building that clientele, those regulars, is important, and I think the best way to do that is through the dissemination of certain amounts of knowledge. Now, a lot of us are going to make emotional connections with people on here. You know, we've talked before about the guy you walk into the shop and you're just happy to see. Mm -hmm. And the different people that you know and that you meet and the poker game and all of these things help. But I'm just curious if that's a tool that should be in more shop owners' back. I also think that it has to do with how well-staffed your store is. I mean, can you afford to have that that person that's working behind the counter for you? If they're the only person in the shop at a given point in time, can you afford to have them spend five, ten minutes in the humidor with every client? without getting a line out the door at the register for beer or for whatever else is going on. That's also true. There's also those those factors to consider. The point being, I think running a shop is much more complicated than most of us would lead ourselves to believe. Oh, so. absolutely. It's like we talked about with Austin a couple of weeks ago. You know, the, the best compliment that I think you can give someone is thinking you can do what they do because they make it look so easy. Well, that's, that's always been the saying in sports. The greats make, it, make the hard things look simple and the simple things look hard. So I have a question for you. You sent me a, list, a little bit of how the sausage is made. All right. So you sent me a, a list of topics for the show that you, you know, had been kind of ruminating over. The, what does octopus in a keyhole mean? <laughs> so, I do, so this is the way my life works. As I go through my week, I always have my phone with me. And when I have thoughts that I would like to discuss on the show, I tend to put them down in the phone. So my phone is liable to have 20 notes of very obscure things. 
So I was listening to a comedy bit Joe Rogan did, and he said he's tired of being in relationships where he has to contort himself like an octopus trying to crawl through a keyhole. And I've thought about that because sometimes I'm smoking a cigar and I want to like it so much, I feel like that octopus trying to fit through a keyhole. (laughs) You know, I want to like Crown Heads. I've said it before. I've always, I really want to enjoy Crown Heads product. And sometimes, you know, with, for instance, the 2015 Las Calaveras, it was like trying to squeeze an octopus through a keyhole. It'll fit. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. Well, see, that's kind of how I feel about Fuente. And I know that's a very polarizing statement. I'm not a huge fan of, of even the Opus X. It, it just it isn't for me. I want to like it because I know what quality is there. I know how good a cigar it is, but it, it ju- and I want to like it. I, I just don't. Fuente, to me, is the dirty secret of the cigar industry in so much as Fuente um, does a great job promoting. They have really nice labels. They do a great job bringing out the Opus X once a year, and then Austin just got in the Lost City and the Don Carlos Eye of the Shark. But really, for a day-to-day smoke, I rarely ever reach for a Fuente. Meanwhile, I know people that only ever smoke the Chateau or Double Chateau. And it, it boxes upon boxes upon boxes upon boxes, and that's all they smoke. Well, it was, it's funny because when I first started smoking cigars, my brother and I, they have a great event in Columbia called the Sunset Symphony. And like any small town America, the Sunset Symphony is the social event of the year. It's put on by the Breakfast Rotary Club. And I always buy a table for the company, and I bought Fuente cigars to take to that. And I felt like, well, I'm, I'm really doing something because I'm bringing Fuentes, and those were the first Fuentes I'd ever smoked. And I was a little disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think there is, that's where the octopus through a keyhole comes, is trying to enjoy a cigar that normally you wouldn't. Well, and to take the analogy a little, even a little more on the nose, Sometimes you get a cigar that even if you like it, the draw is such that you feel like you're trying to urge the octopus through that keyhole. Oh, yeah. Also, that's also part of my note-taking section where I got into a, if I had the Shane line of cigars, what would my cigars be named? Because I'm notorious for grumbling about La Serena cigars not sounding very manly. Mm-hmm. And all that's, you know... I, one of my cigars would be the Russian Roulette. Is there a cigar out there called the Russian Roulette? Not that I've ever heard. I, from you know, We talked on a very early show. I think it may have been first or second. And we didn't mention the company by name specifically, so I won't do that here. But you know, certain, there's a certain type of person who you think about when you think about the typical demographic. And so you kind of have to choose your branding and your titles to someone who's not going to shy away. Like you wouldn't want to call it the Bolshevik, for example. And I think that I, I think with Russian roulette, the the two Russian names there was I was unintentional, but it was. But I, I think you kind of you could run into some negative connotations there that would limit it. Okay, venomous duck. Would you smoke a venomous duck? Considering my hatred for waterfowl. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Izzard, the comedian, has a great bit about that, and he talks about Noah and the flood and all of that, and how the he's saying, you know, two cats, two lions, two dogs, two ducks, and the ducks say, we're not going. And he goes, what? There's going to be a flood. He says, yeah, we normally swim here. We're going to swim up here. 
What's the big deal? So there must be a load of evil ducks running around. And the scars on my fingers prove it. <laughs> yes, we had that. If, you, if you've not, we need to get the exact episode where we discussed whether you would rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. I forgot about that. <laughs> Which, granted, I would rather domesticate a hundred duck-sized horses because you imagine what you could sell those for? Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, to everybody listening out there, quit buying Labradoodles. I can't swing a dead cat in my neighborhood without hitting a Labradoodle. <laughs> there are Labradoodles and Golden Doodles everywhere. But they are such good dogs. I understand it. I don't understand paying that much for an animal, but I do understand the popularity because they are so smart, and, and they're cute. Come hey, on. commit. Get you a Labrador. Get you a Poodle. But commit. Let's not... <laughs> we don't have to mix everything in this world. I just, you know... Are you talking dog eugenics at this point? That's right. <laughs> it's like the Puggle. The Puggle is something else. You know, for a while, everybody decided they wanted a Puggle. I seen a Puggle walking down the road the other day, and... It's just, do we have to mix everything? Can nothing be pure? Ace is a pure black lab. He is completely and totally 100% black lab. So <laughs> I, I do have to say Ace is doing better. For those that have emailed us and asked about the status of how Ace is going, Ace is doing better. He's a little over 50 pounds at almost six months old. He is growing so fast. And he does have that hard-headedness of a lab. He and I are constantly involved in a battle of wills to determine who is who is in charge at our house. It's a good thing that your stubbornness supersedes his. It, yeah, there's times being an egomaniac is handy. <laughs> and well, speaking of egomaniacs, one of the things that really boosts ours is hearing from you guys. Uh, give us a, a shoot us an email at info at the cigarcast dot com. Uh, we're probably most active on Facebook and. Uh, Instagram, so Instagram at thecigarcast.com, same for Twitter, and then Facebook.com slash thecigarcast, all of those ways you can get a hold of us. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Um, with a little, again, how the sausage is made. After the show, Trey and I always get to enjoy a second cigar sitting out on the patio and discussing life's issues. So I think it's about time that we go solve the world's problems, don't you? Sounds like a plan. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week. 